When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, I started today wondering what are we going to talk about on uh, on our podcast today? We're going to talk about Oboe Okoronkwo's uh, Zoom call that we had with him. Are we going to talk about Anthony Walker coming back? And then the Browns turn around and basically make Mary Kay's day because she has been talking about this. Uh, constantly here. I, I mean, going back to really, I think even before the league year opened, um, mm-hmm. you, you were throwing this out. The Browns make a trade for Elijah Moore. They give up their second round pick. They get a third round pick back. So they don't actually, they just moved down basically is what they did. They didn't lose the draft pick. They just moved it down a little bit. Uh, but Mary Kay, Elijah Moore, I, I can't figure out why anybody wouldn't like this trade. I'm sure you can't either. Tell us why you originally thought this was a good idea and and why you think this is a good trade now. Well, you know, there is one reason why I think some people might have qualms about this trade, and that is the fact that he was a little bit of a behavioral issue last year for the Jets. I mean, he had a spat with Mike LaFleur, uh, their previous offensive coordinator. Uh, You know, he asked to be traded. And he was benched for a game. And generally, when you have a guy like that, it can be a red flag. Uh, But I look at it as an opportunity. It's a chance for him to leave all that baggage behind and to come to Cleveland to start fresh and to uh, to live up to his second round potential. And that's why, uh, you know, I did write that column. I I think it was on March, March 14th before the league year opened that uh, that I thought the Browns should trade for him. Uh, One of the reasons why I was inspired to write it is because I remember last year at the trade deadline, uh, someone telling me that the Browns tried to trade for him, even though the Jets denied his request, they still tossed their hat in the ring. And generally, when Andrew Barry uh, sinks his teeth into a player, he doesn't usually let go until he ends up with that player one way or the other. So, you know, it seemed that it was going to be a good fit and a good move. Now, having said that, I was told this time around uh, by a few people, oh, I, you know, he's probably not really on the radar, not hearing much about, you know, I, I just wasn't getting uh, the vibe that it was really going to end up actually happening. But, um, but you know, I just, I kept having it in the back of my mind, thinking it's absolutely perfect. He's making $1.4 million this year. Uh, he's making 1.8 something next year. What a bargain uh, to get him at that price instead of going out and spending double-digit millions on an Odell Beckham Jr. or giving up a good player along with number 42 for Jerry Judy of the Broncos, whom they were also talking to. So there's many, many reasons to like this move, and uh, and you know I think it's going to work out really well for them. Ashley, um, you know we Mary Kay and I talked about this on a Hey Mary Kay at some point in the last week or two. At number 42, 
are you really going to get a player better than Elijah Moore? And then when you factor in what Mary Kay just said, the fact that he doesn't cost money, he's still on that rookie contract. It's second round rookie con. I mean, uh, th- it just makes sense to say, yes, we'll use our 42nd pick for this player who has produced in the league. Obviously, um, I, you know, there's still more there. He still has to prove it a little bit, but he has produced and you kind of know what you're getting in him. I, I think this is I, somebody tweeted us and, they they tweeted out a Jordan Peele gif, the Jordan Peele sweating yeah. gif, and they said this is <laughs> this is Dan trying to to not say the Browns won the offseason. I'm not going to say that the Browns won the offseason, but this moved. It just feels like a home run, and like this was the logical next step in this offseason. It does, and you guys know I've been the one who's been working on these mock draft roundup posts for us these last like month plus or so. We're kind of looking at what the analysts are saying, who they think the Browns are going to take there, and I'll I'll just say I don't think there was anyone they were going to get better at 42. The name that kept coming up in these mock drafts repeatedly was starting to make me, I was feeling gaslit a little bit here because Mozzie Smith kept coming up, and I'm like, there's just simply no way the Browns are going to be able to get Mozzie Smith at 42. He's just not going to be there. He's probably going to end up going at the end of the first round at this point, even though he's a player, I think, who is really good. He doesn't help you address that need either. Obviously, he'd be another um, boost for your defensive line. But you look at some of these receiver names that were be throwing out, or being thrown around, like Joshua Downs from North Carolina. It's like, eh, okay, like his numbers weren't eye-popping, but he does have that speed. Um, I really like Tyler Scott out of Cincy, but again, he's a guy who I think there are some questions about him with his drop rate was pretty high last year. Um, and I think it's just asking a lot to rely on a rookie receiver for a very big role that this offense is missing. I mean, I think the value you get for Elijah Moore, plus there's proven production, plus there's the ability to now put him in a new situation where maybe some of those behavioral questions that people have about him if they're questioning the trade like he's coming to I think an offense that really needs what he does and maybe he didn't feel like that with the Jets and if they're bringing in all these other receivers because they're going to get Aaron Rodgers like he was probably only going to get more disgruntled so I think coming into a new situation he's going to you know have that advantage for his own game and show off what he can do and the Browns are getting some value and some talent that they just weren't going to find at 42 this year I don't think. So Mary Kay, the timing of this was really interesting because uh, Nicole Hardman agreed to a deal with the Jets. And then almost immediately after, here comes the um, the Elijah Moore is getting traded uh, tweets. How much do you think this was like the timing kind of tells the story? Like the Jets decided this is the direction we want to go. There's no room for Elijah Moore. We knew the Browns were interested or maybe Andrew Barry makes that phone call. Uh, when when the McCole Hardman news comes out, how how much of that, like like does the timeline match kind of what happened, or is it just coincidental? Do you think? I think it's more than coincidental, but I don't know uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg. I think there's a chance that uh, the Jets uh, started to heat up these talks with the Browns about Elijah Moore, and then simultaneously, or somewhere in the midst of this, uh, they decided to. Uh, to go out and and sign Nicole Hardman to make sure that they had that speed and to make sure that they have that depth at wide receiver. And I had known uh, for a couple of days, and I've been working on trying to do this, uh, you know, sort of reset the receiver market. So I've been making a lot of phone calls and really trying to figure out who's going where and what's going on, what's up with Jerry Judy and what's up with Nicole Hardman. And I had just been told 
I, I think it was yesterday that the Browns really were not interested in Mecole Hardman, even though we know that Juan Thornhill, the Kansas City Chiefs, former safety who signed with the Browns, uh, you know, kind of tried to recruit him. I was told that it, it really wasn't in the cards. Uh, so he was kind of, you know, I was off that scent. And uh, I don't know, I just kept thinking there's got to be something here with it, it just makes too much sense to me, right? It just makes too much sense. And uh, so right after the Mecole Hardman signing by the, the Jets, I retweeted my column from March 14th and said, I'm dusting this back off. Now's the time to revisit this thing. This thing has got it, you know, they need to do this. And shortly thereafter, they actually did do it, which I was I was shocked kind of because I even said, I don't know if this is in the works right now, but do it, just get it done. So it was kind of funny, but, um, but like I said, I'm not entirely certain that it was, uh, you know, that A came before B. It might've been B coming before A in this instance. Yeah. And, but, but Ashley, it did sort of feel like when McCole Hardman signed like, Oh, and you know, Mary Kay had that instinct tweet out that column. It did sort of feel like there's going to be an odd man out here somewhere and New York is still trying to figure out this Aaron Rodgers thing to get him there so you know maybe they can use that draft pick too maybe that becomes part of the year and maybe the Browns help the Jets get get a better quarterback um that was going to happen anyway but it did sort of feel like okay they just added Hardman but they really have room for Elijah Moore at this point yeah, like, I mean, I don't really think they did, and especially ever since that tweet that went out, you know, before the Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee interview, like, of some of his quote-unquote demands and receivers he wanted to play with, like, as the Jets bring in more people, in theory, for Aaron Rodgers to throw to, like, it just felt like he's going to be left over, and I'm sure, like, to some extent, you know, when they bring in a guy like Garrett Wilson last year, he those feelings were probably already brewing for him. And yeah, like you said, they now have back-to-back picks in the second round. They have 42 and 43, the Jets do. Um, so I think all the cryptic tweets today about, eh, well, it could help them in a trade or there's something to that probably, right? Like they're trying to get more picks or alluring to them, I should say, because they're trying to get this deal done and it's still not done yet. And Aaron Rodgers has been very vocal about wanting to go there, we know. So I do think it's like kind of all these things can can be connected in some way. So it's easy to read too much into this stuff. And, and listen, the Browns got Amari Cooper for like nothing last year. And there was certainly nothing wrong with Amari Cooper uh, when the Cowboys made that trade. But that was more of a salary situation. But Mary Kay, is there, you kind of mentioned like, you know, there are questions about, well, I don't know if it's fair to say there's questions, but there were some issues last year. Is there any concern that, like, like does it raise any red flags that the Jets were so willing to give up on a guy so affordable who has shown flashes? I mean, who has shown that maybe he could be a, a really, really good receiver in this league? And he's 22 years old. He doesn't cost a lot of money. And they're kind of just giving him, I don't want to say they're giving him away. A second round pick is something real, but... Does that raise any concerns for you or is it just the situation? You know what? I think it's just the situation. I think if you look at what is going on there now, I mean, they went out and they drafted Garrett Wilson at number 10 overall last year. Uh, then this year they've gotten Alan Lazard. You know, that seems like, you know, they are starting to stockpile the receivers that Aaron Rodgers wants. Maybe he, there was something about Elijah Moore that, you know, maybe, 
he wasn't really necessarily high on his list. I don't, I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But I think the key here is that they absolutely steadfastly refused to trade him last year when they had the opportunity to do so. They could have done it last year at the trade deadline. The Browns, I know, tried to trade for him, and so did other teams last year at the deadline, or at least they had phone calls about him, and they denied those requests. If he was a guy that you just want to get out of Dodge, then you would have done it then. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a problem. In fact, that's what I'm writing my column about today after kind of rewriting the um, the newser and putting as much background in there as I could, including, you know, including uh, the fact that this doesn't necessarily rule out uh, the addition of Marquise Goodwin, another speedy receiver uh, who has, um, he's got a lot of experience and a lot of catches under his belt. He's 32 years old, but somebody else that can kind of stretch the field for you there. This doesn't necessarily rule that out. Uh, but no, I am not overly concerned. I think sometimes players need a change of scenery. Will Jadavian Clowney be difficult wherever he goes in 2023? Chances are no. He had issues here that were germane to this situation. And I think that's the way it is for Elijah Moore. So Ashley, um, I, I guess what is this what does this move tell us about the Browns plans offensively, do you think? Well, I think like it's it's almost like reaffirming for me a lot of what we thought. Like the piece that they were missing was that speedy guy. So, I mean, I personally, the first thought is I wonder what this means for David Bell's playing time. Um, is that number three receiver this year when you work uh, Elijah Moore into the mix with them? Um, and I just think it kind of shows what piece they were getting that Deshaun Watson needs. You know, we've talked a lot about with Deshaun, he holds onto the ball longer. He's looking to make the big play. We know the Browns don't have a speedy receiver and they really need somebody that can excel when Deshaun has to go out and scramble and can run the scramble drill and can be a little improvisational. You know, we talked when we did our whole OBJ podcast that Odell's improvisation when he was here with Baker was a negative, but with Deshaun in theory, it would be a positive because he needs a guy who can kind of do that. Um, and David, I don't think is quick enough to necessarily be that guy. Donovan's not necessarily that guy. Um, but with Elijah Moore now, they they have a bit more versatility in terms of skill set. And I feel like that's really what they were missing since Anthony Schwartz hasn't developed as quickly as they hoped in terms of being the speedy, quote unquote, guy in that room. Um, so for me, it just kind of reaffirms what I thought the holes were in this offense and that they knew and they worked to fix now. Uh, looking at PFF data here, 341 snaps in the slot last year, 385 outside. So uh, a good mix there from Elijah Moore. Mary Kay, is it, do you sort of read that the same way? Is this just sort of confirmation uh, of how different this offense might look? Yeah, I mean, they need a certain kind of receiver that can maximize the things that they are going to do with Deshaun Watson. And we know that they need somebody that has a natural ability to uh, you know, to just stay open, to stay alive, to stay in his vision, uh, you know, to be ready for anything, uh, to be that fast, twitchy guy that can can be ready for whatever Deshaun Watson has to offer when he's on the move. And then the other thing about this, I think, that is so imperative to think about is the fact that if you draft someone in the second round, and the Browns have drafted numerous receivers over the years in the second round, and sometimes they work out and a lot of times they don't. 
And now you know that you have a receiver uh, that has good production. If you go back to his rookie year, before he suffered a quad injury and missed, I think, the last five games or something like that, he was on an absolute tear for a while. Uh, he had a stretch where he was one of the hottest receivers in the NFL, and he has some really elite performances in there. And I think that's vitally important. They know that they have a receiver with proven production, proven talent, and that he can get the job done in the NFL. And if you draft somebody at number 42 overall, you don't know if that's going to be the case. You just don't know what you're really going to get until the lights are on and the fur is flying and, you know, and it's go time. So now they've got someone who's going to be hungry to get back to that rookie year production that he had. Everything went awry for him last year. I think he's going to be hungry to prove himself again. I think Deshaun Watson's going to take him under his wing, make him feel welcomed, work out with him, uh, you know, on some of these offsite workouts that they're probably going to do. And I, I think he's going to flourish. I think Chad O'Shea is going to be good for him. I think, uh, you know, I think Amari and Donovan and those guys will be good for him from a work ethic and an experience and a character standpoint. Uh, I just think it's a good situation all the way around. Okay. Uh, big winner in this. Let's uh, let's each pick one. There's a really obvious one. Who wants the really obvious answer? <laughs> Mary Kay, do you I'll want the really it. obvious answer? <laughs> I'll take it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. I mean, he needed this guy. This is exactly what he needed. Up until this point, I was just concerned. I was concerned about Deshaun becoming the Deshaun of 2020 and, and his previous years before that and getting back to being the three-time Pro Bowl receiver that he is. If you know, it, it takes a supporting cast. And now, for his sake, I feel much better for him about his supporting cast. He has a little bit of everything that he needs. It doesn't mean they won't continue to add to the pile. It doesn't even mean that they won't draft a receiver at number 74 because we know this regime well enough to know that they will take the best available player. So if that is a receiver at number 74, then they'll do it. They don't have to go into the draft worrying about pretty much any position at this point, right? I mean, they have gotten a little bit of everything. So I think uh, Deshaun is the biggest winner because, you know, again, he's he's just got somebody uh, that that fills that hole of the fast twitchy guy that that can be on the receiving end of of his uh, off schedule plays. I could be really mean here and jump in and, and take what I think is the next obvious answer, but I won't do it, Ashley. Who do you? I have? don't know. I genuinely oh, can't okay. tell what direction you're going with this <laughs> because my like real but also joke answer is going to be Mary Kay. She called oh. this. She <laughs> called this over a week ago. She's the winner here. She was right on the nose with this. I thought that's where you were going to go, Dan. So what were you going to go with? No, I was going to say Kevin Stefanski, but Mary yeah, Kay's a way, other, Mary Kay's a other, way better answer. That was my other football related answer, but I'm like, you know what? This podcast, we were joking beforehand. She'll just be Mary Kay talking for 20 minutes about how she was right. Victory lap. <laughs> you know I, what, I, Ashley? I'll take it. I, thank you very much. I, I will accept that. <laughs> I, I did. I did at one point in our group text. I texted just Mary Kay, just record yourself talking for 20 minutes and we'll post it as the podcast. <laughs> it was going to be the the Mary Kay victory lap pod. 
I was I was very surprised. I was sitting there writing. <laughs> I was writing my oboe story after we zoomed with him today, and lo and behold, there it was. I almost fell off the chair. But yeah, it was a good day for me too. Well, just a reminder: Mary Kay doesn't pull these opinions just out of nowhere. There's usually something something behind them. Uh, if if she puts something out there, so. Uh, that's a little nugget for all of our listeners. And again, I am not saying the Browns won the off season. I'm not doing anybody. Does anybody <laughs> want to say it? Does anybody? No. Oh, okay. No. Hey, they're getting close. They're, <laughs> they're getting really, really, really close to winning the off. I think they're winning this free agency cycle right now. Yeah. I, I, I think they're very, very darn close to it. This, this put them over the top in my mind. This has been a very good common sense free agency period. They've addressed a lot of their needs. And I feel like this was, that missing piece. However, they were going to get this receiver. This was going to to be the missing piece, but I'm still not going to say it. <laughs> um, real quick before we go, let's touch on one other thing that happened today. Uh, Anthony Walker is back after that visit with the commanders. Uh, Mary Kay, you had mentioned that maybe he was just making that visit to set the market. Uh, so he makes the visit. He comes back. He resigns with the Browns. Uh, why? Why is this such an important move for them? You know, I think it's an important move for a number of reasons. If Anthony Walker Jr. can return to his form of the first three games of the season before he tore the quad against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, he was off to a tremendous start. So from a football standpoint, it's a great thing. I mean, he can wear the green sticker. He can be that on-field quarterback, the general of the defense. Um, So those are all really good things. But just even from a camaraderie and leadership standpoint once again there are so few great leaders in the nfl i've been around this game for many 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 years and i can count on not even one full hand the great leaders probably that i have been around in the nfl and i think anthony walker jr is one of those guys i thought jacoby Brissett was also one of those guys so now they're without jacoby and just from a leadership standpoint i think it, it will be tremendous to have Anthony Walker Jr. back. And, and Ashley, you had the opportunity to write that story about his recovery from the injury. Um, and now you actually get to see it through here in Cleveland. Uh, you know, we've talked about kind of what he means to that locker room. We've seen it in action, kind of being back in the locker room. Even, even as he was injured, he was around after games. He was there during the day. Um, this, is, this is a really meaningful guy to bring back. Yeah, and I always think, you know, it comes up with his injury, like the run defense struggled, obviously, for most of the year, right? And like, I do think Anthony Walker helps you there on the field, like he is a good run defender, but like, it's not like those run defense issues were only because he was gone, like he's not the absolute total difference maker in that regard. But where I do think he is, is kind of like, along the lines of what Mary Kay says, he's the communicator when they are out there on defense. And I think for me, why I hoped he was able to come back here is because when you're installing a new defense under Jim Schwartz, I think a guy like that is invaluable, not only from the leadership, but because of his ability to communicate. I mean, guys joke all the time. He never shuts up. Like it's, it's a running joke. He even admits that he's talking out there constantly. It's why he was the green sticker guy for a lot of his time when he was able to play when he was healthy. Um, Obviously JJ three had that in 2021, but AWOC started out as that this year, pretty much. Um, So I think in that way, for me, it's a really important move. And I know for him, like his biggest battle he's viewed is just getting back on the field after suffering, you know, the worst injury far and away of his career. 
Um, and he was hopeful that he would get a chance to do that in Cleveland, knew it was going to come down to, you know, the market and money and things like that that weren't necessarily in his control as a player. Um, but I know he really wanted a chance to kind of come back here and see through some of these changes that have, you know, occurred since the last time he played. Okay, well, Mary Kay just picked up her cat. So we need to, we need to let Mary Kay go right before the cat like puts her to sleep. I know that the cats have this power over people to just like, ah, it's time to be done working. You need to go lay on the couch or something like that. So uh, we need to let Mary Kay go right more about this Elijah Moore trade. Uh, so that will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're a football insider, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. And like I always tell you, get subscribed to this podcast if you aren't already on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 